Um, good. Habakkuk, chapter 3. The book of Habakkuk is one of these unusual books. It's a prophetic book. We know very little about Habakkuk. He probably spoke around the um, similar time, perhaps, to the prophet Jeremiah, towards the latter part of uh, the history of the kingdom of Judah before they went into exile. Um, but some of the book actually is, has some similarities, really, to the wisdom literature. There's, there are sort of proverbs and um, sort of reflections. Part of what the book is about, particularly the first two chapters, is the prophet really dealing with the whole issue of evil and, and struggling with the concept of how can God allow good things to happen through evil people. And uh, there's, there's an interesting kind of discussion and almost debate going on there in those first few chapters. In chapter 3, um, it changes. Actually, we have a psalm. We have one of the few Old Testament psalms which is not in the book of Psalms, if that makes sense. But this uh, particular chapter was definitely meant to be sung. Uh, we know that because um, it says at the end of the chapter in verse 19, for the director of music on my stringed instruments. So presumably the lyre and the harp and the zither would all be used as Habakkuk was uh, bringing forth this, this great prayer and psalm. And also at the beginning of the uh, chapter, we see that the prayer of Habakkuk the prophet is on Shigonioth, which as we all know, <laughs> is a literary or musical term. Beyond that, we don't know very much about it. Um, people who know the Hebrew language uh, say that possibly the term might relate to a Hebrew verb, which means to be enthusiastic or excited. And it's possible that the psalm was meant to be sung in that kind of uh, way. But really, we don't know. So look, I just want to read the first couple of verses um, and just invite you to sort of follow through with me. So uh, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigionoth. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your invitation to draw near in the name of Jesus. And we take advantage of that invitation now. We come, Lord, to you with faith. We come not because we're good enough or we've worked hard enough. We come because you have made us righteous in your dear son. You've clothed us in him. You've chosen us, made us your sons and daughters. You've opened up the way that we might know you from the least to the greatest. And we draw near now, Lord, in our hearts. We say, open our hearts, Lord, open our minds. Teach us your ways, O Lord, we pray. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder how many of you were here for any of our August family services. Did any of you make it for any of those? What was the theme for those Sunday morning meetings, those of you who are here? Miracles. The miracles of Jesus. Christians can have several attitudes to the miracles of Jesus. One is we can think they happen then and they don't happen now. Others can take the view they happen then and they do happen now. Others can take the view they'd happen then and we wish they happened now. I suspect most of us are in the category two or category three here. But those miracles that we were celebrating and thinking about, these are not just things for history. The Lord Jesus has ascended to heaven. Father has poured out the Holy Spirit and he's given gifts to the church. And Habakkuk was aware of the great deeds, the great works, 
yeah, great activities of God. And in this simple prayer, he is praying for a renewal of them. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. We're not entirely sure what deeds Habakkuk was thinking of, possibly the exodus, possibly also God's dealings uh, that he was promising in the earlier chapters about how he was going to bring judgment and restoration to the nation of Israel. But whatever those deeds are, Habakkuk is praying that God would renew them in our day, revive them, repeat them, do them again, O Lord, in our day, in our time, make them known. And really, it's in that heart and that spirit that I really just want to share a few things with you today, not particularly uh, to go through the text verse by verse, but really to look at a number of different places in the scripture with this, this, this heart, this theme of renewal and looking to God to renew us individually as a church and also to see where renewal is taking us in the future. So we won't be opening up a single text, but looking at a number of different parts of the Bible. So please uh, follow along if you can, <coughs> and please be listening personally as well to what might be a particular application to you today. Uh, to renew, you won't be surprised to know, means to make new again. Um, the term is often used, I find, around the month of February, when I get phone calls from companies saying, were you aware that it's time to renew your uh, insurance? To which my standard answer over the decades has been, no, I didn't have the faintest idea, um, because it's just not information I keep in my head. But things need to be renewed, things need to be made again. And God has built renewal into the very fabric of the creation. If you turn to Psalm 104, Psalm 104 and verse 27, this is great psalm celebrating the glory of God in creation, in the earth, in the waters, the fields, the plant life, the animal life, the seasons. How many are your works, O Lord, the psalmist says, in wisdom you've made them all. And in verse 27, he talks about those, these all look to you, you give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the earth. <coughs> so renewal is part and parcel of the creation. There was a sense in which God is continuing to create on planet earth. There's this act of renewal, new life, new things happening. <coughs> it's built into the fabric of the creation. For the Christian believer, renewal is also personal to us and an inward experience. If you look also in the Psalms, at Psalm 51, we'll see David praying for renewal. <coughs> Excuse me. This is after a time of where David actually has fallen into sin and he's confessing his sin, repenting of it and turning back to God. And he prays this prayer in Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So David is looking to God for this inner renewal, a new spirit, a strong spirit internally. So it's an internal work, our inner heart, our inner affections. And that's a prayer that we can pray. I'm sure many of us do regularly. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renewal is also inward in terms of our own strength. If you turn to the book of Isaiah, a well-known passage, Isaiah chapter 40. And we see how this work of renewal works inwardly in us. Uh, in chapter 40, verse 31. Those, oh, verse 30. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. 
So there's an inner renewal of strength that comes from hoping in God. That means an attitude of waiting, an attitude of expectation, of dependence, of looking. You know, waiting is a good thing in the Bible. It's amazing how much of our national economy is geared around avoiding waiting. Super fast broadband, quicker trains, reduced waiting times, quicker deliveries. It's all about reducing the idea of waiting. And that culture actually goes against much of the ethos of the Bible, which commends waiting as a good thing. So we have to think about this carefully. Just doing things quicker or things happening more quickly isn't necessarily a moral good of itself. There is a waiting that is good. There's a waiting that's fruitful and productive. And here, Isaiah declares those who wait upon the Lord, those who hope upon the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. So there's an inner renewal of strength. There's also a renewal in our minds and in our attitudes. If we turn to the New Testament and look at the uh, well-known passage in the book of Romans, chapter 12. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I remember as a young child, around this time of year, August, September, I'd often be, uh, when I was out and about with my parents in the car, I'd often be looking for the new car, the new cars. They used to come out in August. They still come out in August? Twice a year now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, how do I know? I've never bought a new car, but anyway... There we are. <laughs> I remember as a young child, always being fascinated by my, the first time I'd see a new car of the year. Look, it's new. It's brand new. And uh, in the English language, when we talk about something being new, it's not always clear whether it's brand new or just different. Right? So if we buy a new car, that word new doesn't tell us whether it's just come off the production line or whether it's a used car that's new to us. Right? Same word in English. In the language the New Testament was written in, they had two words. They had a word that meant brand new, new in time, and they had a word that meant new in terms of different, two different words. And uh, here, Paul uses this word about uh, being renewed. He uses this word new, meaning different. Be renewed. Be renewed in your minds. Think differently, really, is what he's saying Change the way you think. Don't think like the world thinks anymore. That's how you used to think. Your thinking was shaped by society around you, by its own values and beliefs. And Paul says, now, be renewed in your thinking. Think differently to that, to the world around us. Be renewed. And in that inner transformation of our mind, then comes a growing understanding and an awareness of what the will of God is and an ability to walk in it. So the Christian is somebody who's going to be renewed inwardly by thinking differently to the world around it. Not just randomly differently, but differently according to the truth that's in Jesus Christ. Paul makes a similar point in the book of Ephesians. If you want to turn to there, Ephesians chapter 2. He uses similar language. So in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, uh, let's have a look. Beg your pardon. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. 
you were taught, Ephesians 4 verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, there's a renewal of the mind, there's a new attitude that Paul exhorts us to have, and there's a renewing of our entire self created to be like God. So our true self is made like God, and there's a renewing work that goes on through our Christian lives, being made new in the attitude or in the spirit of our minds. This isn't really talking about cognitive function, like memory or or whatever. This is about the attitude, the spirit of our minds, that we're thinking in accordance with the truth. So there's a renewal of our spirit, a renewal of our strength, a renewal of our mind. There's a renewal of our true self. Again, in Paul's letter, this time to the Colossians, he says something similar. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. So that identity that we now have as Christian believers, our true self is being renewed in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul commends that. He says, keep being renewed in the way you think, in your attitude, in your true self. <clears throat> and lastly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, on this area of renewal being personal and inward. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love this verse. Therefore, verse 16, 2 Corinthians four sixteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For, <clears throat> this explains it, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So Paul draws a contrast there. Outwardly, wasting away, but inwardly being renewed day by day. The latter years of a Christian believer may indeed be years of physical decline. We have to recognize that reality. But they can also be years of inner renewal into our true hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. They can be times when we focus on what is unseen, not on what is seen. When we focus on the eternal, not on the temporal. And the good news is, you don't have to wait till you're old to do that. We can all be focusing on that which is unseen, the eternal. And as we do that, we are we're given such a different perspective. Paul talks about his light and momentary troubles. And then you read what actually happened to him. The beatings, the shipwreck, the persecution, the opposition, the, the inner anguish. As people spoke evil against him and abandoned him. And Paul says, oh, the light, the momentary. And he uses this word glory, for we are receiving an eternal glory. And that word glory carries within it the idea of weight. He's saying there's something heavy that's pressing down upon us. And it's eternal and it's glorious. And he says that is what we're fixing our eyes on. We're achieving that. We're obtaining that. And in comparison, everything that's happening in the present that's hard and difficult, he says it's light. It's momentary. So renewal is inward. It's personal. It can speak of our inner self being renewed day by day. So renewal can be a daily experience. Hallelujah. We can be made new every day in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So renewal is built into the creation. It's also personal. It's inward. 
it's also relational. If you'd like to turn to the book of Philippians, I told you we were jumping around a few places today. Okay, so Philippians in chapter 4. Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, says this, Philippians 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you at last have renewed your concern for me. What he's saying is, this church has got back in contact with Paul. They've re-established contact. They've re-established relationship. They've actually sent him a generous financial gift to help him in his work of church planting and mission. And Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you've done that. You've renewed your concern for me. The word here is different to the words we've looked at before. This word renew is uh, an agricultural word. It means to flourish or to bloom. You've renewed your, acquaintance, your, your, your uh, concern for me. It's become fruitful again. And we can do that in our relationships. Perhaps this time of year, it's a good time just to take stock. Am I in good relationship? Are there people I need to be maybe getting in contact with again? Maybe here, maybe in other places. Are there relationships that I need to give attention to, restore, renew, strengthen? It's a good time of year to be thinking some of those questions. So renewal is built in creation. It's personal. It's inward. It's relation. It's also community-wide among the people of God. If you turn to the second book of Kings, right back in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 23. When I was a brand new Christian, and I didn't know anything, and I came from a secular background, I was not raised in a Christian or church-going home, and um, when I was brought into a a saving faith in Christ, um, quite early on, I was taken along, well, I was taken along to a lot of meetings, But um, one of the kind of meetings I was taken to were called All Saints Nights. Now, some of you of a certain age may remember these in the 1970s, 1980s. And these would be typically monthly gatherings of charismatic Christian believers from across a city or a region. And at that time, there was a work of the Holy Spirit that was taking place in the church. People were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit People from all sorts of different church backgrounds and denominations were coming into a new experience of the Holy Spirit. And many of these people were gathering once a month for what they would call a renewal meeting or an All Saints evening. And it would be a time where there'd be worship that might be a little freer than many of them might be experiencing in their churches at that time. There might be teaching that would speak into this wave of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just remember going along to to them as a, new, as a new Christian. And I remember at those occasions hearing for the first time people singing out in unknown languages. I heard people prophesying for the first time. I heard people speaking in unknown languages. I saw people being healed and uh, the gifts of healing uh, and um, uh, discernment of spirits and these sort of things being exercised in that setting. Now, that movement was a genuine move of God. It was very powerful. It was very deep in its effect. And actually, many of the churches that like ours and churches similar to ours, actually came out of that move of the Spirit in the late 70s, early 80s. Not that this church was planted then, but the whole movement that we're part of originated then. And uh, it's important, actually. I remember at the time when I um, joined uh, a church as a student at university, um, what's now Emmanuel Church in Brighton, I remember at the time that people would sometimes talk about the charismatic renewal movement almost as sort of in apologetic terms. 
that, you know, that's what you do if you're a Baptist or an Anglican. But what we're looking for is something more radical and more thoroughgoing in the expression of church life. Yes? No, actually, I, I, I believe in that analysis. But <laughs> it's important not to be arrogant about that. And uh, I actually believe now, this is just my opinion, I believe now, as charismatic churches, many of us are in need of renewal. <laughs> right? That's where I'm coming from. I think we need renewing, like the Baptists and the Anglicans did in the 70s and 80s. I think many of us are not even baptized in the Spirit, and we don't even know it. Many of us never exercise the gift of speaking in other languages. May God release you in that. May you use it more and more. Many of us have never seen anyone healed. I went to a healing conference recently. I'm not a great conference goer, I must admit. I, can, I confess my lack of conference attendance. <clears throat> One of the reasons I don't go to many conferences is actually because many conferences I go to, there's very little conferring that takes place. <laughs> right? So the Methodists in the 18th century revival, they, they created the idea of Christian conferences. And they used to bring together all of their key workers who were planting churches and preaching the gospel and making disciples in small groups and in societies. And they'd bring them together and they'd say, What's happening? <laughs> What's God doing? What can we learn? Let's talk about it with each other. It was a conference, right? They'd confer, and they'd learn from each other, and they'd apply biblical principles, and they'd think about it. Well, what do we do next then? And how do we sort of um, <clears throat> steward this thing that God's doing? And how do we serve the people? And how do we make sure it's on a good footing? And it was a conference, right? Many of our conferences do not con involve conferring. They involve declaring. Okay? Well, I'm all for declaring. I'm doing it now. <laughs> but a conference is meant to be different. Anyway, I digress. Um, don't know how we got onto this. <clears throat> right. Renewal. Renewing in the Holy Spirit. Yes, I went to a conference. A rare event. This conference was about the healing ministry. And it was from a, a leader from a church where they're seeing a great deal of these events happening. And um, what struck me at this conference I attended recently was um, I was probably the youngest person in the room. Now, I'm very young. <laughs> but to be in a conference of maybe 400 people where there are very few people younger than me, what that said to me is there was a whole generation of Christian believers who are not birthed into the ministry of the healing, uh, the healing work of the Holy Spirit. Now, perhaps I drew too broad a conclusion based upon my attendance at one conference, the first one in 10 years or whatever. But um, <clears throat> that's what struck me. I thought, where are the 20-year-olds? Where are the 25 and 30-year-olds who are being equipped to heal the sick? Now, thank God I know things are happening, and I love reading reports from New Day and some of the amazing miracles there. I love it. But in terms of equipping so that all believers are comfortable with healing the sick in Jesus' name. I think for many of us, we're thinking, I'm not remotely comfortable with that. I don't know what to do. I might sort of pray a prayer. But the expectation that, you know, bones would be refused and bodies would be mended and diseases would be expelled in the name of Jesus right in front of me, that's not my experience. Therefore, I say, we need renewing. We need renewing. And that's one of the reasons John Harrison and I are running a connect group this year on healing, 
we've both been feeling stirred about it separately over the summer, and actually we're going to do one together. So I just feel like we need to see renewal in this area. Okay, are you with me? So renewal is a community-wide event among the people of God. If you look in 2 Kings chapter 23, King Josiah called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem who went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. Did you know that the Bible got lost during the Old Testament? (laughs) They lost it. And during renovation work in the temple, they rediscovered it. They said, oh, what's this? Oh, looks good. And it was, the, it was the law of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy on a scroll. And it, it had been ignored, lost. People didn't even know it existed. That's how low the spiritual life of the people. Of, they were still offering sacrifices in the temple, as well as offering sacrifices to false gods. It was a synchronistic religious scene. But they rediscovered it. And when it was rediscovered, Josiah was so um, upset. He says he tore his clothes. He wept. He said, what have we done? We've totally ignored this holy uh, scripture. And so he got it out and uh, dusted it off. And he read in the hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, good leadership, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book, then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. So there is a renewal of the covenant that was corporate. It wasn't just about their individual personal faith. It was a community-wide thing, if you like, a church-wide, nationwide event. They were renewing the covenant that God had made with the nation at Mount Sinai centuries before. Um, In Isaiah chapter 61, we also read about restoring and renewing ancient cities that have been long devastated. And in the context, that speaks about the cities of Judah and Israel. So it's really about restoring the people of God, restoring the community life of the people of God before it's anything to do with uh, inner city renewal. And finally, we can see, as well as renewal being community-wide among the people of God, renewal is also universal. If you'd like to turn back to the New Testament and to the Gospel of Matthew... What an amazing, wonderful statement the Lord makes in chapter 19. Um, The disciples are, not for the first time in their lives, disturbed at the teachings of Jesus. They're greatly astonished. Actually, it says in verse 25, and Peter asks this question in verse 27. We've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them in verse 28, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So the end of the age, Jesus doesn't describe it here as the end of time, or the final judgment. He describes it in a very specific way. He talks about it as the renewal of all things. What a wonderful phrase. That word renewal literally means a new birth. That's what the Greek term means. It contains the word genesis within it. A new genesis, a new birth, a new beginning, 
the renewal of all things. Renewal is going to take over the entire universe. Hallelujah. The heavens, the earth, the physical environment, it's all going to be, if you like, born again. Hallelujah. And in the book of Acts, Peter says in Acts chapter 3, that there's going to be a restoration of all things that God promised through the prophets. And that uh, word really speaks about a setting back in order of all things, things that are out of place, things that shouldn't be, which are. It's going to be put right again. It's going to be renewed, restored, the renewal of all things. Hallelujah. And in the final book in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, and with this we'll finish, these magnificent words right towards the end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and they will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Hallelujah. So the renewal that we may experience inwardly, Paul actually talks in the book of Titus about renewal as being the new birth. So there's a new birth in renewal. There's an ongoing daily renewal as we're renewed in our true self, in the image of our creator. There's a renewal of the creation. There's a renewal of the people of God. And ultimately, the entire universe is going to be renewed. Hallelujah. Many Christians don't know this. They don't understand that the future is going to be a renewed earth and a renewed heaven and a bringing together of earth and heaven where God dwells among his people forever, where he is their God and they will be his people. No more death, no more crying. Behold, I am making everything new. Hallelujah. The book of Habakkuk in chapter 3, as I said, takes the form of a psalm. And because of that, it's appropriate that it would be sung. And actually, as we come to sing now, as we come to worship, it's one of the ways in that we can begin to experience some of this renewing that we've talked about. And I don't know where you are in this. You may be running well, Well, you actually may feel I'm as dry as a stick and I just need (laughs) renewing. Actually, renewing may not happen just in five or ten or thirty minutes. It may be that's the season that some of us go through where God just begins to do that inward work within us, in our heart and our spirit. Let's take advantage now of an open heaven, the freedom to come and worship. Let's seek God for renewal in our lives, in our relationships, in his church, and with a final view to the renewal of all things. Amen. Amen. Shall we stand together?